home group meeting on Tuesday night, we're going to be talking about the older Christian, how then shall we live? And as I was preparing for this, and uh, somehow it morphed into today's prayer. So we're now going to share that. So let us pray. Father, we thank you once again for our children, from the smallest baby up to the young adults still living with their parents. We understand that these children are more likely to accept Jesus as Saviour and Lord than any other age group, and we thank you for that. We pray in faith and trust and hope for this new generation. We pray for your leading, your guiding, your encouragement and your blessing for everyone in our church who is involved in this vital ministry of bringing these children to Jesus. Father, we pray for the parents of these children. We ask that you help them every other day of the week to support and demonstrate and reinforce what their children learn on Sundays. We pray in these troubled times for the parents' health, their employment, their homes and their finances, and we ask that you bless them and encourage them and increase their faith and trust in you. <clears throat> we pray that by your spirit you will lead them and guide them, especially in the workplaces which are their mission fields, where that what they do and how they do it and why they do it can be salt and light to their workmates. And we thank you for the many, many ways they serve in this church. And we pray that you'll bless them in that service. Finally, Father, we pray for the older members of our Hills family, those with grandchildren or adult children, those who have retired for singles or couples, for all of us whose hair is greying and who are now outwardly wasting away but inwardly are being renewed day by day. Father, we thank you so much for the wisdom and faith that you have grown in us over the many years of teaching, of prayer and of experiencing your presence in our lives. Father, we pray that you will help we older Christians understand your meaning and purposes for the later years of our lives and how we can keep on serving and obeying you. Encourage us, Father God, to make ourselves available to you. Encourage this, our church, to use us and all that you have created in us. Help us, Father, find opportunities either within this church or elsewhere if necessary to serve you and to bless others with the spiritual gifts and the wisdom with which you have blessed us. Thank you so much for the many experiences and lessons of our Christian lives and the Christian maturity which you have grown in us. And help us, we pray, to take our turn to prepare the generations to follow, to receive the baton and to go on victorious when our race is run. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Pastor Pant, over to you. Thanks so much. Good. Good morning. Such a joy to be with your church again, and uh, thank you, Sam, and the team here for their op the opportunity you've given for me to come amongst this great congregation, and lovely to see you, and 
I know some are away on holidays and some are online, but uh, look forward to opening the Word of God and some key thoughts with you. Um, it was Henry Ford, I think it was asked once, to what did he put down his success? And he said, well, my success is because I've made right decisions. And then they asked him, to what do you put down your right decisions? And he said, wrong decisions. <laughs> and uh, I want to talk a bit about your decision-making this morning. So if we could start up our, our PowerPoint. Is that going to come? Do I have to click it? There we go. And in Joel chapter 3 and verse uh, 14, it says um, that there are multitudes caught in the valley of decision. And uh, maybe that's the place where you are this morning. Uh, life is full of decisions. I'm sure all of us are facing decisions right now. And I want to encourage you this morning that God is very committed to you and your, and your decision making. If you will give your decision making over to him and give him room to move. Uh, I'm very grateful for Fiona in my life and a thrill for me that she can be here with us. It's her first time to be in this building and uh, so uh, she's um, completed her, as was said, her, her role at Sterling Church uh, at the end of last year and is freer to move around the churches with me now. So great to have her here with us this morning. But, um, you know, God gives you the right people in your life, doesn't he? We've been married 40 plus years, 43, <laughs> nearly 44. And, uh, you know, I'm very grateful for Fiona because she is a great balance to my decision making. Uh, I think I tend to make decisions slowly, sometimes too slow. And I need a good kick in the pants sometimes to get things moving. I don't make too many mistakes and I like gathering all the facts. So, you know, for Fiona, her decision-making is often a lot more impromptu. And uh, let's do it. And, you know, and I say, whoa, just rein it in. Let's just make it all. But together, we're pretty good. We haven't made too many mistakes in life. And, uh, and when you add the factor of God being in the midst of it all, I'm so thankful that in our decision-making, we have really an experience of life that shows how wonderful it is to be guided by the Holy Spirit. And this morning I want to just open up with you and ask the question about timing in your life. And uh, getting the timing right is, is critical because there's a heck of a lot of people that I come across who get the timing all screwed up and they make some really dumb decisions in their lives and they live with regret and, uh, you know, I think that whilst we can't have a perfect record in decision-making, otherwise we'd be God and not us, there is a reality that God is there with you to guide you in the pathways of life. And this morning I would want to encourage you about the directions and so maybe some of the critical decisions that you're facing right now. Maybe some of you are, are really at tipping points. Maybe there's some things up ahead that you're not even aware of right now that are going to demand decisions of you because life can throw some curveballs at us. Some of us go through things that are totally unexpected. We come across health crises or, or situations in our families which we never saw coming. 
But could we make the right decisions in the light of that? I believe we can. And I want to encourage you this morning as a church that uh, the right decisions begin with asking the right person to get involved. What's the starting point to your decision making? And this morning I want to just encourage you that the Holy Spirit is here with us this morning to, to guide us if we will ask him in. He said, I will lead and guide you into all truth. Uh, as a pastor, I've helped many people through the decision-making pathways of their lives. And many times they'll come to me about decisions that they've already made and they're asking God to bless. And they wonder why it doesn't always work out the way they thought it would and why God's blessing isn't there like it should be. And I've often asked them the question, what was your starting point? Where did you begin this process? Have a listen to these verses. You do not have because you do not ask. Ask God, in other words. Ask and it will be given to you for everyone who asks receives. There's a critical part to the pathway of decision making that is actually involving God right from the start. And to ask him to gain his wisdom and his understanding and to create that alignment with his plan and his will and his purpose. He might be saying, well, that sort of destroys um, my right to be in control of my life. Well, you know, God has given you an incredible opportunity to live life in partnership with him. And the best way to make life's pathway successful is to not walk independent to him, but to walk interdependently with him. It wasn't a, it's not a sign of your weakness or the loss of your own ability to make decisions that you're continually aligning yourself with God. It is actually drawing upon the resource of, of all that is his wisdom and insight to help make the best decisions you possibly can. I've heard a lot of people in my, in my ministry life talk about God as a commodity that they sort of access. And who would also like to justify all their decision-making and the decisions they've made with the, the Lord has told me line? Has it really been the Lord that's spoken to them? Or has it been them that has spoken to themselves and they've asked God to somehow come in on the deal at the end? The asking is critical. And asking God right from the start is just so important. Many of the plans, it says, in a man's heart but it's the Lord's purposes that will prevail. The bottom line is God is with us. There are larger hands than yours that are guiding your destiny. And God is in the process of our lives continually. And when we become Christians, we give our opportunity for independence over to him and to live into in, in that wonderful state of interdependence. And far from that being a sign of weakness, it's actually a sign of strength. That you can find a resource and an ability to make the best decisions possible with his leading and guiding. In Galatians chapter 5 and verse 25, it says, Now, as you live by the Spirit, learn to keep in step with the Spirit. In other words, there's a rhythm that can happen in our lives where we're walking with God and where we're in tune with his Holy Spirit from the very smallest things in life to the biggest things in life. And that the fruit of that in our lives should be one of synchromesh, of harmony, of a sense of, 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 of not stumbling and struggling, but of walking through life 
in a way that creates for us a rhythm and a harmony and that people would look at us and say there's larger hands than yours that are actually guiding your destiny. Could that be the case this morning for us afresh? I felt the Holy Spirit prompt me that I should speak this morning about the whole challenge of of decision-making and to help you perhaps prepare for things that are up ahead, but perhaps for some of you that are all, that are on that threshold right now, or even to re, re, reconsider your decisions based upon the fact that maybe you have been isolating of the Holy Spirit and you're bringing him on, in on the end of the deal to bless decisions that have already been made. Well, open up to God this morning and let's see what he might want to say to you further. I just wanted to say, and I'll say this to you, um, um, Mike and Willie, because I know you've gone through some stuff and you were just mentioning it to me. But, you know, I just, I'm going to give you some words at the end, and in fact I'll give them now as a point of encouragement. In Psalm 43, verse 5, and Fiona will write these verses out for you. Uh, Yeah, I should give you, just hang on a minute. Best plans. My help, mate. Here, you want a pen? In Psalm 43, verse 5, it talks there about why are you cast down my soul? My hope is in the Lord. Matthew 6, 31, 32 says, Don't worry, regards what you eat or drink, your heavenly Father actually takes care of you. These were verses I wrote out this morning before I came here. So, you know, I know you've shared a little bit this morning of what you've been struggling with or going through in your decisions, but I just felt like the Lord would say to you this morning, um, don't be anxious. Uh, Self-effort and intensity can sometimes lead us down a pathway of worries and anxieties and fears. But take the pressure off yourself is what I felt God was saying. And it's okay to say sometimes no, and that no can be good. And uh, I just want to share some other verses with you. Philippians 4, 6 and 7 says, Be anxious for nothing. Don't you love the way Scripture doesn't give us an out? It says to be anxious for nothing. And goes on in verse 19 of chapter 4 to say, My God will supply your needs according to his riches and glory. And so 1 Peter 5, 7 also says, Cast all your anxiety upon me, for I care for you. Now, I wish at one level you hadn't spoken to me before the service because it might seem like I'm giving those verses, uh, having pre-considered them in the light of what you've shared. But, you know, I felt God was saying them to me uh, before I even came here. So, you know, I wouldn't have... I write my verses down. I'm not a walking uh, concordance. I can't just reel off scriptures. So part of the process for me is actually to process this before I come to a congregation like this. And so I give it in faith, having prepared it before. Does that connect with you? Now, Lord, we just, uh, maybe reach your hands out towards them. And I'll give some other words to others of you here this morning as well. So, Lord, we just speak, Father, into the circumstances of life and that the timing could become right and that they would understand that the asking is in line with your Spirit's guidance. Holy Spirit, just come and uh, let them know that sometimes even no can be good.
because it can create change and can create a circumstance for fresh things to occur. We pray for that, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, Fiona's written these verses out for you, and uh, maybe she can give them to you at the end of the service or even now if you want to. So asking, what happens when God says no? You see, we have such a, particularly in, in our style of church, we have such a, uh, an orientation in Pentecostal churches towards yes. <laughs> because we're faith orientated. But you know, faith sometimes, and I'll speak about this in a minute, faith sometimes is pretty slow. <laughs> And faith is just hanging in there. Faith is continuing to believe. And sometimes God might even say no to our decisions. No for a, with a safety valve in there. You know, whoa. But we, we don't want to hear no so often. We just want to hear yes. Sometimes the request we have is actually not right. Let me just flick back to the last uh, slide. Uh, Matthew chapter 20 is an interesting study, and I haven't got time to go through it with you, but it talks there about two groups of people. One is a woman, mother, who brings her two sons to Jesus to bless, get their blessing and to give them a sort of place of special honour. And he says, she says to Jesus innocuously, as a mother only can do, Jesus, these are my best sons. These are my great sons. How about if one is on your left and one is on your right when you get into heaven? <clears throat> Jesus says, well, that's not for me to ask and I'm not sure that you're even understanding fully what's involved in all this. It's up to my father ultimately. <clears throat> and he says, basically says to them, no, I can't allow that to happen. <clears throat> the other story is about a couple of blind men who also come to Jesus in that story, asking for direction, asking for an answer to their blindness. And you can read the story through, and the answer for them becomes yes. And I want to just explore with you a little bit against the backdrop of those stories, but also against the backdrop of Moses, who was an interesting case in decision-making. Because sometimes God does say no. And when, he, when, these two, when this woman asked about her two sons, Jesus says to her, what is it you want, he asked. And she, she said, grant that one of these of your two sons might sit at my right, your right hand and the other at your left. And he says, you don't know what you're asking. In the story of Moses, you might remember, he decided that uh, he's going to go and try and make it happen. And he goes out as a excited man to try and bring about the deliverance of Egypt, uh, of Israel from the Egyptians that he felt God had placed upon his heart and he starts the process going by killing an Egyptian himself and then realising what he's done and tries to cover it up and then gets caught out. Uh, God was saying basically to, to Moses at that stage, no, now's not the time. And God might be saying to you this morning, <clears throat> no, it's not the right time. Or no, it's not right at all. 
or no, maybe in due time. But right now, the answer is no. Are you open to no's? Are you open to God even directing us in that sense in a very unpentecostal no? When all we want to say sometimes is yes, yes, yes. Because God is a yes, God. Well, his yes may sometimes appear with a no feeling to it. Because he's yes for you, but he might be no for the decision you're making. We need in our decision making to be open to that one. Is God speaking no over some of the circumstances of your life? Maybe there have been some things that you've asked him to do. You've asked him to bless you, to do things for you, and nothing's falling into place. Maybe God's just saying to you right now, no. No. It's not going to happen. It's not the right time. Or no, it's not right at all. Be open to that. Maybe you've been praying with great devoutness towards something and you're not understanding why the heavens are as brass and you're struggling with a God who's not hearing your prayers. Maybe it's because he's actually saying no and you're wanting him to say yes. It's really important that we, in the decision-making of life, give God the room to even say no. And to understand that no can be a very important pathway ultimately to better yeses down the track. Sometimes God says it's time to just go slow. <laughs> the timing's just not right right now. Jesus said to these uh, sons and to the mother, you will indeed drink from my cup. But to sit at my right hand and left is not for me to grant. These places belong to those whom they have been prepared for by my Father. It's going to happen, but it's not right now. Uh, and God's slowing the whole process down. With Moses, he ends up 40 years in the wilderness in the, in, uh, looking after sheep as God is slowing down the processes of his own heart and bringing to him uh, a different tempo and speed. Have you ever noticed how much of Jesus' conversation and his parables were around things that by their very nature are slow? How many of his analogies were farming? How many of his things were involving things that just take a long time? Surely, God, you could bring up some ideas that would happen now. And like I said before, faith sometimes is slow. And faith is about just getting a rhythm that's different to where our own flesh would want to take us. Our own flesh says now. And God's saying, whoa, slow down, because there's, there's things happening here that will take time. In Mark chapter 4, it talks there about the sowing of seed and that after, as the farmer scatters the seed, at all by itself, it produces. And in time, things unfold. Because God's kingdom is much more about slow growth than about fast growth. And there are things happening in your world and life that will just take the measure of time to unfold and will be a process that sometimes feels like God is slow, but he's not slow. 
He's right there with you and he's taking you in a rhythm that is important for you to discover in the, in the, in the, in the ability to synchromesh your life with him, to keep in step with him. If God goes faster, go faster. If he goes slower, go slower and learn that sometimes things just take time. And timing is something that we often only understand in hindsight, isn't it? And we look back and we go, okay, God, that's why all these things unfolded like they did. And they didn't happen like I was going to try and make them happen. Fiona and I have just gone through a really interesting process the last few years. Part of it's been linked to my readjustments to ministry life and now for Fiona as well. After having been serving God for 40 plus years in ministry together, uh, we're in a very different season of our lives. And, uh, you know, some things happened and unfolded as I started to retire. Uh, we planned and built a new house, which was had its own story to it and uh, a part of God's provision for us. But something unfolded that we never anticipated at all when we built that home. We built it with a second zone living, which Fiona thought, oh, I'd like to do Airbnbs and uh, I'd like to do something creative with that. Well, if you know Fiona, she's pretty creative with those sorts of things, but the Airbnb turned to be a mum and dad B&B. <laughs> and we've just taken on board Fiona's parents who are in a, yeah, they need care. Uh, mum's got dementia, which is becoming more and more acute, and her father is very frail and uh, has had a stroke and has had a heart attack and has got diabetes and has got a catheter and is in just, and he was supposed to be the carer for mum. It wasn't working. And we went there in January uh, to Melbourne where they were living and realised that they would need to make the big shift to come and care for us and look after, for us to be their carers, which is something neither of us had anticipated uh, this time last year. But God prepared it all those years ago when we started planning a house which is now three years up and built ready for them to be our B&B guests for a bit longer than we anticipated B&B guests would stay but you know you sometimes you you look back on things and you see how God has been working slowly to things that you don't even understand the full picture of but it's God in control because you asked him way back then. I was reading through my journal. Uh, I don't, I'm not a great, I'm not an avid journaler, but I tend to journal at seasons in my life. And it's good to actually do that because sometimes when you write things down, they become clearer in your own thinking. And at some of the big points in my life, I've, I've journaled. And Fiona and I went overseas when I retired and I, I was journaling quite, quite a lot about what does the future look like when we come back. And, um, and in it was a whole heap of conversation about uh, should we, should we not build a house? Should we, shouldn't we not uh, do certain things financially? Should or shouldn't we do? All sorts of things that were questions back there but are answers right now. Slow is part of the process. In Second Peter... Chapter 3, it says, for God, a day is like a thousand years. God's got a different time frame 
to you and I. We want everything measured in the, in the chronos of our own time, which is the Greek word for time. But there's another word for time. It's called kairos. And it's the word of timeliness, that at just the right time, things unfold. And God functions not just in chronos time, he functions in kairos time, in the right unfolding of things, in things that may seem slow, but they are important because they are doing something else. They're causing you to grow. And many times, the processes of God seem slow because he's actually committed to causing you to grow. (laughs) And growth takes time. When the farmer plants his seed, he doesn't expect next morning to come out to a, a crop that's ready to reap. It takes time. And God is committed to the long haul of your life and my life. And he sees the ends from the beginning. He's the Alpha and the Omega. He is in the process of taking you on a journey that becomes a discovery of a wonderful decision-making pathways that can succeed and that can lead you to a better place and which will cause you to grow in yourself. So sometimes God says, it's time to grow. And it's when you're not quite right. (laughs) In 2 Corinthians 3, verse 18, it says that we all with unveiled faces are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory or from glory to glory, it says in some uh, renderings of Scripture. There's a process of growth from glory, from this level to the next level. And some of you have been facing great challenges in your world and lives. And it can be a bit of a, 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 a fob off, I guess, to say to someone, well, it's all about your growth. And you say, well, that's nice for you to say. You're not the one going through the growth. But it, it's real. God wants a better you. And sometimes the way he does it is through stuff that causes a lot of grief on the way or that we don't understand the full picture of, or that can even cause great pain and sorrow. Because the perfecting of our faith, it comes about by those processes that God allows to occur, not necessarily that he's bringing them on you, so much as he is using them to shape you and make you into a better person. In the story of the woman with her two sons, Jesus turns the whole focus of the story back upon their own growth and transformation. And he says to them, the issue is, what's going on in your hearts? Jesus called them together and said, instead, whoever wants to become great amongst you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Because the challenge of servanthood is a huge one for all of us. That we could be servers rather than being served takes a reorientation of our lives and causes us to have to grow at pretty fundamental levels in our own life and world. Can I give a word just to this this lady sitting there? Yeah. You're smiling at me right now. I can't, oh, sorry, I don't know your name. Huh? Jess. Jess. 
I feel like God's saying to you, Jess, it, it, there's, there's, it's time to stir some new levels of faith. Um, I'm not saying you're faithless, but God wants to sometimes take us to a greater capacity. And for that to occur, it, it takes a, an embracing of faith. Here's some words that I felt and I wrote down. Um, stir faith. Uh, and, and in that process, I, I think it's really important that you ask some right people for advice. Because um, in Proverbs eleven fourteen it says, multitude of counsel, there's wisdom and security. And, you know, it's as you, if you're facing some decisions, maybe there's some people that you need to bring into your world who can stir your faith. Because there are people who can very easily, isn't there, who can drain us of our faith. But I feel like God's going to give you some people that can counsel you in a way that will encourage you in your faith. Is that connecting with you at all? Just Jenny, was it? Jesse? Jess? Jess. Sorry. Um, in, let me give you some other words that might encourage you further. Um, James 3.17 says there's a wisdom that comes from above. Hebrews 11.1 1 talks about faith that is the substance of things that are hoped for. And that there's hopes and aspirations that have not yet been fulfilled. But God's saying, I'm going to take you on that journey that's in that verse up there, from faith to faith with ever-increasing glory, Second Corinthians 3.18. It's about what's growing in you. And that faith is to grow. Ecclesiastes 12.11 talks about the words of a shepherd can be like a goad or something that pricks us sometimes, but that process prods us forward into further growth. And just uh, finally, Proverbs 25.11 says, A word fitly spoken can be like an apple of gold. And I feel like God's going to give you some things that will just become like things you can really build your world and life around in your decision-making, where you may have been caught and felt like you're caught between a rock and a hard place. God wants to say, I'm going to give some clarity of direction and faith that will enable you to make that decision. In Psalm 43, verse 1, it says, God will hand down, uh, you, God hand down your decision for me. And I feel like God's saying to you, there's, there's some clarity that's going to come. And uh, finally, Proverbs 3, 6 talks about committing your ways into the Lord so that he can direct your paths and make your paths straight. Does that connect with you at all? So, Lord, we just pray for Jess as well. We raise our hands out towards her, speak encouragement into her heart and life now in Jesus' name. Let faith rise that in this process of what seems to be Sometimes where we things aren't happening, Lord, you're causing us to grow. And may she grow in faith in Jesus' name. Amen. For Moses, of course, the growth occurred in 40 years of wandering around in the wilderness. It took a long time to get this motley crew called the children of Israel into the right place to enter the promised land. A lot of things happened in the process, causing them to grow into the sort of people God could entrust his precious land to. God's at work in your life, and what might sometimes appear slow is about him causing you to grow. But then God can also say, 
Now it's time to go. Where it's uh, when the request and the timing and you are in the right place. Now go, man, go. I remember those words being spoken to me very clearly by a, a prophetic voice, probably the first prophetic voice I can ever remember speaking into my life. Um, we had a speaker in our church. Um, David, you might remember this because you were probably there in the arena. Um, a guy called Dick Mills. And uh, he came into the church and, and spoke words over people's lives and gave scriptures. The first time I ever seen anybody do anything like this. But he was a walking concordance. He knew thousands of verses off by heart. He had a photographic memory, which comes in handy when you're going to do that. And uh, so I write my cheat notes down here. But right at the start, almost the first person he pointed out was me. I was just a, a young adult in my mid-20s, but it was a time of great decision-making in my own life and wondering what the future would look like. And he just pointed to me and said, young man, the Lord says to you, go, go, man, go. (laughs) And he gave me a bunch of scriptures that um, I had in my Bible for years. And they they just uh, were important about just reminding me about going. It actually was the word that prompted me to go into ministry and to leave from a life and career in teaching and opportunities that were developing there to actually make quite a shift, and a shift that involved me moving states as well and taking up a a pastoral opportunity in Victoria as a youth pastor in a church that was now for the father-in-law that I'm looking after. And uh, as a great fringe benefit, I married his daughter. <laughs> Good move for the youth pastor. It was just a power move, by the way. Her power over me. <laughs> no, that's not true. It was a power move. It was the power of the Holy Spirit guiding me at many levels. When the word came, go, man, go, I had no idea that it would set such redirection for my life, give me a wife in the process and cause me to just find some fresh direction that has stood the test of time. And God might be saying to you this morning, go. And maybe you struggle a bit with what I do do in my default position, and that's to put decisions off. In my default, I'm cautious. And sometimes maybe that caution can express itself in procrastination. And God would say to you this morning, listen, things are lined up. Now comes that big decision. Go, go for it. I remember when I was standing there making this, trying to make the decision about whether we should build a house. I mean, I just retired. We weren't flush with cash. We never were. And making these decisions seemed rather, at one level, high risk. (laughs) But I felt, yes, and we made the decision and we went for it. And within a few weeks of us starting the build of our house, COVID hit. And I thought, oh, no, they're going to close the whole ship down and there's not going to be building supplies. You remember all that stuff that happened with houses? It actually caused the opposite. They, these guys put their tail between their legs and worked as hard as they could to build this house so they could get some money in before it all fell to nothing, into whatever. And we got a house built from the pouring of the slab at the end of January. It was completed and we moved in in the middle of May which was pretty amazing. 
didn't realise the miracle at the time, but it was a real miracle. Go. Is God speaking go to you? Because sometimes when we go, it suddenly causes things to happen in a way and in a pace that is God's capacity. Because for him, a day can be a thousand years, but a thousand years can also be a day. He can make things happen like that. The Lord answered them and said, "We want." Uh, this is talking to the blind men now. We want our sight. And it said Jesus had compassion on them and he touched their eyes and immediately they received their sight. There was no waiting here. There was no going slow. There was no need to grow. This was about go. And for Moses, finally the day came. He was not to see it happen. But it was for Joshua after the coming in of the, of the 12 spies and 10 of them coming back with bad report and two coming back with good and said, we can take this land. And Caleb and Joshua were to become the people who said, go, go. And the words that had been spoken by Moses to Pharaoh all those years ago, let my people go, now finally became the true statement. It was time to go. And they crossed the Jordan and into the promised land. And maybe that's the place where God wants you to be this morning, to cross over into the promises of God. Let me just finish off by saying just a couple of practical things about how you make your decisions. Here's some tests. In your decision-making, does it line up with the Word of God? Boy, there's been some interesting things that I've heard over the years about people and their decision-making. Either they've not had any reference to God's word at all or they've twisted the word of God to suit their purposes. I love giving scriptures to people like I've just done because the grass withers, the flowers fade, but the word of God, it stands forever. Words of Isaiah. The scripture is such an important reference point. And I'll often ask people when they're making decisions, has God spoken to you? Has he given you some words? Are there some things that you can line your decision-making up with, with what God's saying? And so oftentimes people look at me with a blank face. How awesome it is when someone comes to you and says, yeah, but God said these things to me and they've just been my anchor point. Does your decision-making stand the test of Scripture? Does it stand the test of counsel? Are you just making this decision in isolation or are you actually gaining the wisdom and counsel of others? It's so good. As I gave the scripture to you, to you, Jess, you know, to get the advice of other people of wise confidence is so important. The test of counsel. Who you're asking is really important too. Don't ask the people that are going to agree with you. Don't ask the people who, uh, who you know uh, wouldn't have a clue, but who will just nod their head and say yes. Go to some confidants that are, that are wise and that can guide you in your decision-making and even challenge it because it should stand up to scrutinisation if it's something of God and if it's right. Does it stand the, the, the test of your heart? In other words, is this still is this something that just won't let go of go of you? The Holy Spirit has a way of, of stirring things in us that just remain. 
and cause us to, to, to just, it just won't let us go. And it may take time and it may be slow and it may be about your growth, but at the end, it's still there. Maybe that's a good sign. That is a decision that's to be led by the Holy Spirit because it just won't let you go. And there have been some things in my world and life that have taken almost a lifetime to fulfill, but I've hung in there with them because they were part of the original sense of what I felt God was saying. They've stood the test of my heart. There are others, you know, who come with great gusto and ideas and dreams and I feel this and I feel that and a few weeks later those feelings have all evaporated. If they're not there over time, maybe let them go. That was just a good idea. Doesn't even mean they're necessarily a wrong idea, just the timing's not right. Will it not let you go? Has it stood the test of time? And finally, is this decision you're making going to have good ramifications all round? Or is it just about you and your own desires? Does it stand the test, the altruistic test of doing unto others as you would them do unto you, thinking of the other person before you, thinking of the ramifications on those you love. They're good tests to run through in your decision-making. Now, I feel this morning I want to give some other words and we'll do this as the service closes. And if you would like to come at the front, uh, can I just point out a few of you and any others that want to come, please come. Um, Sitting next to Mrs Potter, Yeah, I feel I've got a word for you this morning and just to encourage you in your own decision-making. There was someone else I saw before. Yeah, the the guy sitting in the white T-shirt over on the side there, would you you mind coming out the front as well? I'd love to give a word to you. And to, is it Phil? Phil, is that your wife next to you? Could you, could you come? And, uh, and, I can't see the lady sitting in the very back row with glasses on. Yeah, you just yeah, don't be too reluctant. If you feel comfortable, come. I'd love to pray with you as well. But you know, if and any others that you've really been looking at decision making, and I feel like God was saying this morning, for some of you, accept that no is the answer. And maybe we can pray about that together. For some of you, it's slow. And you're thinking, how much longer, God? Well, there's tipping points in all the decision-making of our lives. And sometimes what seems slow is part of a process. It's just going to take some more time. And maybe Holy Spirit would want to help you with that this morning. Or maybe it's that you are in the process of growth. And God's really concerned about your own growth and growing into the decisions that are before you. And maybe it is, as I shared with Jess, the challenge of just faith growing. Or it may be just um, allowing yourself to become filled afresh with that which could cause you to grow, his presence. Or maybe it's you're at that point where you know it's go time and you just need that encouragement to go, man, go. Well, come forward. I'd love to pray with you. Any others that have felt God speaking to you this morning, don't let this opportunity go. Can we pray together? We thank you, Lord, that you're here with us 
in the midst of our decision making. We thank you, Father, that you uh, are there for us. When we can't do life alone, you're there to help us. And it was never intended to be a sign of our weakness, that we relied on you, but rather of our strength, that we had discovered what it is to do life in partnership and to do life in an interdependent way, in a way that lifts us beyond just the foibles and weaknesses of our own thinking and allows us to draw upon the infinite wisdom of God. And Lord, let this church be led in that, in the decisions that are before them, both individually and corporately. May they just have great wisdom. May they have great understanding. May they have great sense of confidence that you go before them in the decisions of their lives. And may they make the right decisions that will lead to right outcomes and cause the right things to occur in alignment with your will. We pray that, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. If any of you lacks wisdom... You're to ask a generous God and he will give to you and he will not rebuke you for the asking. Keep asking God. God bless you all. Can I hand back to you, Wayne, or who am I, or are we just to close off? To you, Sam, one more song? Fantastic. Yeah, and as we do, would you, as the musicians come, could we, maybe we could stand at our feet and make it easier for those that I've pointed out and any others that would like to come, please come. I'd love to pray with you. Good morning. God bless you. music team and I'm just really grateful to the Lord and to you Hans for bringing us a, a, a good word and a right word at the right time so I really appreciate that. Um, so what's next is a chance to hang back and, and catch up with one another. Uh, those who've come forward um, to just receive that word from Hans that's great. If you're wanting Hans or Fiona to pray for you as well they're going to be available up the front and we'll also have uh, Richard and Kasturi in the prayer room as well so plenty of opportunity to receive prayer this morning if you've come for that so yeah just um just god bless you all and, and yeah trust you have a great week ahead see you again next week bye Jesus, dear.